0: Hi there, I'm Marcus, one of the leaders here at King's Church in Norwich, and I want to welcome you to our Good Friday King's Daily. Today's the day when we uh, remember and focus on Jesus' death on the cross. In a few days, it will be Easter, and we will, of course, celebrate the resurrection. But we will only really truly understand the enormity of Easter, uh, the significance of the resurrection, if we first pause a while and think about the cross. In a moment Emily is going to remind us of what happened when Jesus was crucified and she's also going to suggest a helpful activity for perhaps some of our our, the younger ones among us. After that I'm going to come back and share five words that I think can help us understand something of the significance of Jesus's death. But let me start by praying for us Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time together, this opportunity to remind ourselves of the meaning of your son's death on the cross for us. We ask that you'd be with each one of us right now, wherever we are, uh, and reveal uh, through all that we we look at and, and hear and talk about today, more of your love and your goodness to us in Jesus. Amen. Emily, over to you.
1: I'm going to spend some time looking at the crucifixion but before we get there we're going to go right back to the beginning of the story and why um, Jesus came to earth. Right back at the beginning when God created the world. Everything was perfect. Adam and Eve enjoyed spending time with God. It was so special and nothing bad was there at all. Until one day, Adam and Eve decided not to do what God wanted them to do. Instead, they did the one thing God told them not to. They ate from the tree of knowledge. This is called sin, and sin ruins things. Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden And God put two warrior angels at the entrance so that they couldn't get back in. But even though they'd messed up, God made a promise that one day he would send a rescuer to set things right. To make a bridge over the gap made by sin. This is Jesus. Now, until Jesus came, God's presence was in these beautiful temples. And a really, really, really thick, huge curtain was put up. And this blocked the way so that people couldn't get into the presence of God. Behind these curtains was called the holiest of holies and that was where God's presence was. On these curtains, there were warrior angels just like the ones outside the garden. This reminded people that they couldn't go behind these curtains. There was still a gap that needed to be fixed by a rescuer. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, in a town called Bethlehem a baby boy was born this was Jesus he was the forever son of God born on earth as a baby he grew up and he helped lots of people he was kind to them he did amazing miracles and he loved people he taught them about God he was a really really good guy. But that actually got him into trouble. So now we've caught up with the story. And this is what happened next to Jesus and why we celebrate and think about Easter. Because Jesus had been so kind to people and he was doing these amazing things, people started following him and it made the religious people mad. He also claimed to be the Son of God, which made them even madder. Jesus was with his disciples one evening and they ate together and this was the last supper. This was when Jesus told them about his death by breaking bread and sharing the wine to represent his body that would be broken and his blood that would be spilt, though at that point, they didn't truly know what he meant. Jesus then went out to the garden to pray because he knew what was coming next. While this was happening, Judas had been away to get the guards who would arrest Jesus and take him away. Jesus was beaten, he was put in jail, he was made fun of, and he was broken. Then he was nailed to a cross and left to die. It was a really, really sad day. An awful day. The one that God had sent to fix things had been put on the cross. But how could this be right? Then at midday, the sun stopped shining. It was dark across the whole land for three whole hours. And that big curtain, the one that stops the presence of God coming near to his people, was ripped from top to bottom. At that moment, Jesus took his last breath. On the cross Jesus took all of our sins, he took them and then he did something amazing and it's because of him that we can come into the presence of God. Three days later, Jesus' friends went to the tomb where his body had been laid, but it wasn't there, the tomb was empty. gave an invitation to everyone that if they chose to follow him and put him first then they could have new life through him we can live forever with him where nothing bad and nothing sad will happen so although halfway through it's a sad thing to hear or to read about it's actually the most exciting special, life-giving moment ever in history, and nothing has ever come close, and nothing will ever be as great as this. Jesus is still alive. He is in heaven with the Father, and he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. God did all this because he loves us so much. He literally gave everything. Isn't that amazing that Jesus gave everything for us so that we could be friends with him? Amazing. So in your Easter packs that we posted to you um, over the last week, you should have heard a paper plate, and you might want to decorate your paper plate. As we heard, um, the sky went dark, when Jesus died on the cross. So I've done a bit of a sunset picture. You can draw whatever you want on the back of yours, that's fine. And then cut out three crosses, because we also know that Jesus was crucified with two other criminals as well. So that's why there's three crosses here. And then you can stick this up somewhere and that can remind you of the amazing sacrifice that Jesus um, gave for us.
0: Thanks, Emily. It's it's not always easy, is it, actually, for our minds to to linger on the cross, to think about what happened there. It would have been such a gruesome and upsetting sight. Uh, it's almost imaginable, to, imaginable to me. Therefore, that uh, people actually mocked Jesus as he hung there on the cross. Such was the hatred that was directed towards him. The crucifixion is something that we might want to turn away from but the Apostle Paul uh, said to the church in Corinth Corinth, that it was of first importance. He wrote, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Now on Sunday we're going to be celebrating Easter and uh, one of the ways we're going to be doing that is asking uh, different ones of us to describe Easter in five words. But before we, we do that I wanted to to take some time to to think about the significance of the cross in terms of five words that I think will help us understand why it, it is so, so important. So uh, we'll take, a, I don't know, a couple of minutes perhaps on each one and hopefully as we do, the Holy Spirit will uh, reveal to us more of what, what God is like and of what he achieved for us and revealed to us on the cross. So the first word is sacrifice. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God taught his people that their sin, their wrongdoing, would result in death. It it was an inevitability stemming from God's goodness. But to the people's great relief, I'm sure, uh, the Lord said that an animal could be sacrificed in their place. Sin would always result in death. But somehow or another, uh, mysteriously, it it seems, another could die in their place. And the Day of Atonement is an example of this, where once a year uh, the the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would uh, he stand in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, of course, containing the law, uh, God's requirements for his people. This is, this is his, his moral uh, kind of law to say, this, this is what, how you are to live in light of who I am and who you are as my people. So there's this law there. And uh, of course, the people have broken it time and time again in on numerous occasions, in numerous ways and so the the high priest would come in to the holy of holies the place where god specially dwelt and there was the there was the law there, there was uh, the, which had been broken and the high priest would sprinkle the blood of the, the this bull and this goat that had been sacrificed over the ark of the covenant and it spoke of the fact that god's justice had somehow been satisfied though though the people had sinned and the law had been broken that that god was uh, w- was satisfied somehow that there had been a punishment, a, a death uh, for sin. Now, of course, uh, those with insight, even in the Old Testament, kind of realised that the blood of, of animals can't take away our guilt, their guilt. And it was simply a placeholder, a positioner, a shadow, if you like, for a reality that was to come. And, uh, of course, Isaiah uh, sees this so so clearly. He sees... Um, This this servant of the Lord led like a lamb to the slaughter, unresisting, silent. And later, of course, in the New Testament, John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, of course, is our sacrifice for sin. Uh, Once for all, true sacrifice for sin. He was born a man to represent us in a way that only he could, to own our sin and die for it in our place. Uh, Again, Isaiah says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. If we trust in Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, you will never be punished by God for your sin. His justice will have been satisfied in Jesus' death on the cross for you. And of course, uh, the corollary to that, we shouldn't punish ourselves either and, and beat ourselves up. Sometimes we instinctively know that uh, there should be punishment for sin. But wonderfully, we can look to Jesus. He paid the price fully for us. God's justice is satisfied. Well, second word I want to bring to our attention uh, really now is, um, I don't know whether you, you may or may not have heard of it, is propitiation. I, mean, I I think it's a brilliant word. I love it. It it means the turning away of God's wrath. Um, God is rightly angered at evil because he's good. And I I think you you can see two aspects in in the Bible, it seems to me, of God's response to evil. He passively removes his presence from it to bless, but he he actively comes against it in wrath to punish. And I must confess, I sometimes uh, find it difficult to... To understand the extent of God's righteous anger against sin. And I think it's because I'm just used to experiencing relative goodness. I've, I've, apart from God's revelation to me in his words and by the spirit, I we don't encounter pure goodness, pure holiness, um, perfect goodness. We're always kind of looking at relative goodness. Someone might be relatively good relative to someone else and so on. God is perfectly good through and through. And so when, his, when, when perfect goodness encounters evil, we should expect the result to be somewhat explosive. And it's true that God is angry against evil. The Bible talks a lot about his wrath against evil and not just uh, against the, the evil that's been done to us, but also the things that we have done that, that are wrong. Now on the cross, wonderfully, Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath against our sin to the last drop. His death satisfied God's just and righteous wrath against sin. And God's anger was turned away from us. In Christ, God's anger is turned away from us as we trust in Jesus. The Bible talks about us being united with Christ and his death counting for ours. In a very real sense, we were crucified with Christ. And because of that, God's anger is turned away and uh, wonderfully, um, he draws close to us to, to bless us. And uh, let's go to Isaiah again, Isaiah 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for you, uh, though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And I can't resist going on because I love this bit. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Wow, this is what a wonderful salvation that we have that in Jesus, the God's wrath against our sin, God's right, righteous, his right wrath against our sin is turned away and God draws close to us to, to share with us his joy. That's so good. Well, let's move on to the third word now. The third word is purification uh, or you might say cleansing. I don't know if you ever feel uh, impure Or defiled well again the good news is that the blood of Jesus purifies us from unrighteousness it means we can enjoy a clean conscience Um, it means we can draw close to God with uh, with boldness while propitiation focuses on kind of God's attitude towards sin here perhaps there's more of a a focus on our, our state before God on our 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 state our impurity before him The Apostle John writes about the good news that if this is in uh, in one John one, if we walk in the light, he God is as he God is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus speaks of His death in our place, and it is this, and nothing else, that can take away our sins. Uh, just let me just read to you from from Hebrews. Uh, this is Hebrews nine. If the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, this kind of this kind of I guess an outward outward sense of purification. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, the depth of this purification, it's not just that God gives us a blank slate to have another go. He purifies our conscience. He purifies our hearts such that we we desire the right thing. We want to do the right thing. He empowers us at the level of our desires to do the right thing, such as the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and purify us at the level of our heart and uh, it's wonderful isn't it let's move on to the fourth word which is reconciliation Uh, this speaks of two parties that have been previously estranged from one another at odds from one another at war with one another even being brought back into peaceful and harmonious relationship many and certainly I did live as enemies of God we didn't want anything to do with him but worse than that I mean God wanted a relationship with us, but there was a problem. There was a challenge here and it was our sin. Again, let's turn to Isaiah, Isaiah 59. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. This is a terrible thing to, to happen, to have God hide his face from you, to have him shut his ear to you. That um, that speaks of a breaking off of relationship, a terrible break in relationship. But in Jesus, this relationship can be restored. This relationship that's been ruined by our sin um, can be restored in Jesus, and we can be reunited to God in Jesus because He was forsaken for us so that we could be accepted. This is uh, Paul writes to the church in uh, in Colossian, He writes to the Colossian church for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, Through Jesus, we can be reconciled to God, enjoying relationship with God as our heavenly father, no less. And this is the extent of the reconciliation that's happened. We come to our final word now. And, um, this uh, this is glorification, and I, this this final word glorification. I kind of thought about maybe I should call it revelation, but I think glorification is better. It's, it's deeper. It's richer. The uh, theologian uh, D. A. Carson writes: Jesus' death was itself the supreme manifestation of Jesus' glory. It is not just that the shame of the cross inevitably followed by the glory of the uh, exaltation, but that the glory is already fully displayed in the shame of the cross. It's not just that we need the cross and then the glorification comes when Jesus is raised from the dead. It's that there's something of God's glory, a revelation of who he is, which is revealed supremely on the cross at the moment when Jesus is hanging there, just uh, in that shameful place um, on on the cross. As Jesus is lifted up, God's excellence is revealed for all to see. This is what God is like right there in Jesus dying, mutilated, bleeding body nailed to a tree. We see just how seriously God takes our sin and just how lovingly God is prepared to pay the price for it himself. There are other words, I'm sure, that uh, you can think of um, in terms of un- helping us think about the cross. Example would be one. Jesus telling example of of, of love that we're to follow. Justification, speaking of our legal Uh, standing being declared innocent uh, before God victory the victory that Jesus um, had over Satan sin and death and uh, redemption the huge price that was paid and there may be others too that you have in your mind such is the richness of that was achieved on the cross for us we will spend the rest of our lives and the rest of eternity marvelling at it but let me just close our time together in prayer right now Father God we thank you for the cross We thank you for giving your son to us to be a sacrifice for sin, to die in our place. Thank you that your anger has indeed been turned away from us and that you've drawn so close to fill us with your love and your joy. We do thank you for your forgiveness and for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, that we can be reconciled to you and approach you as dearly loved sons and daughters. Uh, I I pray that today and every day um, you would... Uh, keep revealing your your glorious goodness to us so that we will spend the rest of our lives marveling at uh, all that has been revealed to us and won for us on the cross of Jesus Christ your beloved son amen well uh, I'll leave a link below to to Matt Redmond's song once again and I hope that might maybe that will help help us as we think more about God's grace uh the grace of god revealed to us uh on the cross and uh, again help us express our thanks and praise to the lord in worship for all that he achieved there so uh that's the end of our our time together god bless you uh check out the uh the link and uh look forward to uh uh, to being together uh, or albeit perhaps on on screen and celebrating easter together in a few days god bless you